Well, a very good evening, everybody. I'm looking at Proverbs, the first chapter in my Bible, and we will be in the book of Proverbs exclusively this evening. And I especially would like to invite our young people who are of school age, who can read, to be looking in a Bible as well. And moms and dads, this is a good time for you to kind of help out with all of that and get them over to the book of Proverbs. It'll just be a matter of finding the corresponding numbers to the chapters and the verses once you get them over there. And as well, if any of our youngins did not get one of these colorful note sheets for this evening, Mr. Gary's standing back there in the back, and he will make sure you get one of these because I made these specifically for you and just for this particular lesson. You just get his attention and he'll see to it that you get one. As you're doing that and as you're getting settled over into Proverbs chapter 1, I'll say it's great to see everybody tonight. So glad to see you all here this evening. It's been just a pleasant afternoon, just a beautiful day the Lord has given us. And it's just a treat and a privilege that we're able to use this good day to God's glory. And I pray that's what we've done today, that we've glorified God through our worship and through our time together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Hope you've got Proverbs chapter 1 now because I want to rip off those first four verses in Proverbs chapter 1. Right there at the very top of the book, Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, and knowledge and discretion to the youth. This Wednesday is the first official day of school for students enrolled in the public school system here in Pulaski County. And I think if I've done my research correctly, that'll be followed on Thursday by the first official day of school for students in Lincoln County as well as students in Russell County, which will then be followed that next Monday for students in Wayne County. I hope that I've now covered all of our students that are spread all over the the metroplex here in South Central Kentucky. And for some kids, whenever that first day of school comes, it is going to be a day of great rejoicing. There are, contrary to what we might think, there are kids who do look forward to going to school. They like the school environment. They're looking forward to maybe seeing some of their friends that they have not gotten to see all last summer. But of course, for some kids, on the other hand, it will be a day of weeping and maybe even gnashing of teeth. Because we just dread the thought of going to school, having to get up early, don't get to sleep in anymore. Got to do that homework stuff, got to take tests and all the things that go along with being a student in school. We've got kids here who will probably be walking into the hallowed halls of the school building for the very first time. We've got kids here who are moving up into the middle school for the very first time. And kids who are moving up to high school for the very first time. And depending on your particular perspective, that can be really exciting or that can be really, really dreadful. We've got college students who will soon be returning to classes. In fact, some of them already have returned. We've got homeschool students. They've got school. Their cycle's kind of all year round, kind of different than the rest of uh, public school kids. But whoever you are, wherever you are, it's obvious that back-to-school hysteria is in the air. You go to Walmart and Walmart's got the shelves just overflowing with deals for back-to-school supplies. You go to the department stores and the racks are filled with all of the latest styles so that parents can outfit their kids in those new school clothes. And of course, Facebook this coming week is going to be just absolutely flooded with pictures of young kids standing maybe in front of the door with their backpack and mom and dad has forced them at like 7 in the morning to fake a smile so that they can get that obligatory first day of school picture. 
All of that is happening and will be happening over the course of the next few days as kids prepare to go back to school. I wonder though, in the midst of all of that preparing that's going on, going to the school orientations, getting our schedule all fixed and lined out, getting all those things on the supply list and making sure all of that stuff is checked off, I wonder I wonder how much the Lord is factoring in to all of those preparations. Let me just ask our young people very directly here tonight. How much are you thinking about God? How much are you thinking about God's expectations as you prepare to start this new school year? Is God at the forefront of your thinking as you do all that preparing? Or is God kind of, He's kind of an afterthought. He's kind of way back here on the back burner. Yeah, I'll get around to thinking about God and seeing how He fits into that equation at some point. Well, this evening, I'm not making any qualms about it at all. What I want to do tonight, if the Lord is kind of on the back burner, if He's an afterthought, I want to try to push Him to the forefront. And if He is at the forefront, I want to push Him even more to the forefront. And I want to do that tonight in a very special kind of way. Because I want to draw your attention to a very special section of the Bible, much of which, young people, is written just for you. Did you know that? There is a part of the Bible that the Bible says is just for you. It's called the book of Proverbs. And it was written mostly by this guy by the name of Solomon. And in the very introduction of the book of Proverbs that we just read, did you notice in verse 4? Paul says that, or Solomon says one of the main reasons he wrote this stuff is to give knowledge and discretion to the youth. The youth. That's you. This book contains some stuff that is specifically geared and directed for young people. And this evening, I want to explore some of that stuff. And I want to do that particularly from the angle of the idea of the kinds of things that young people need to be thinking about as they head back to school. And that is why tonight I am calling this Solomon's Back to School Handbook. Because I want to enumerate for us five very simple, yet five very critical words of wisdom right from the mouth of Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived to that point. Five words of wisdom that Solomon would have every single student to know and to remember and to keep deep in their hearts as they head back to school. Now, what about for everybody in attendance who's not a student? What about you? Do you get to just check out tonight? No, you do not get to check out. Please don't decide that this sermon is irrelevant to you in any kind of way. Number one, every single point that I'm going to make tonight, all five of these ideas, they apply to you and they apply to me regardless of what stage of life you presently find yourself in. And furthermore, these five ideas, what they will do is they will provide you and they'll provide me some very specific talking points as we talk to the Lord in prayer, five specific things that we want to be praying as it pertains to our kids. And even if you don't have kids, these are our kids. You can be in prayer on behalf of the children who make up this congregation here at Lakeside. I do believe there's something for everybody tonight, but I want to make no mistake about it. You are between the ages of, say, 5 and 18, then I am especially talking to you tonight. And here's probably the best news of all. I intend to be very brief this evening. 
Now, that's not just to try and offset all of those occasions when I'm really long-winded. Sometimes I do do that. I'll go short because I've been long earlier in the morning. That's not why I'm doing that tonight. I'm actually very intentionally going to be brief in what I have to say so as not to encumber our young listeners with so much information that they can't even begin to retain all of that. Instead, I want to just let the Word of God speak very simply yet very forcefully in hopes that these five simple ideas will stick deep in the minds and the hearts of our young people as they head to school. And that all is going to begin right here in Proverbs chapter 1. Let's just stay right here in this chapter. Read with me in verse 10. Drop down to verse 10. There Solomon says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, and we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessor. Solomon says right here at the outset of this book of wisdom, young people, he says you need to choose your friends carefully. That is, you need to be careful who it is that you buddy up with. You need to be careful who it is that you run around with and you do stuff with. You know, sometimes people who we would call our friends or who would call us their friend, sometimes they can draw us into wickedness. That's what Solomon's talking about here. We can be influenced by them and we can find ourselves in sinful situations many times without even intending to get into sinful situations. And I'm going to go ahead and just confess to you, in some ways this is confessing to my parents, That even though my mom and my dad, I believe, did everything that they could to drill this principle into my mind when I was a young person, I'm going to confess to you, I did not always heed that warning. Far too many times than I would care to admit. I wanted so badly to just fit in with the cool crowd. I wanted certain people to like me and recognize me as their friend. I could call them my friend. So much so that I found myself, verse 15... Walking in the way with sinners. And guess what? I suffered for it. I didn't gain anything from that. I suffered from that. Look in Proverbs 13 now. In Proverbs 13, that's exactly what Solomon says will happen. You run around with wicked people, here's what's going to happen. Proverbs 13, look in verse 20. In Proverbs 13 and in verse 20, the kids have all these verses already on their note sheets. So parents, if you want to kind of get ahead and stay one step ahead of me, you just look at their sheets. Proverbs 13 verse 20, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I remember one fellow, he put it this way. He said, if you hang around with dogs, you're going to get fleas. And that's what Solomon's saying here, kind of in another way. We need to be careful about who it is that we spend our time with. Whether that's when you go to school, whether that's during the recess and break periods, whether that's who you sit with and talk to at lunch, 
whether that's who you hang around after school and after school activities, or maybe that's even who you sit next to and who you're buddying up with while you're actually in the classroom. The company that we keep, it can adversely affect us and it can get us into some real trouble. But did you notice that you're right here in Proverbs 13 verse 20? Did you notice that it actually works the other way as well? That's right. You can also be influenced in a positive way. Just like you can be influenced negatively with the wrong friends, you can be influenced positively when you have the right kind of friends. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. People who demonstrate wisdom. People who demonstrate some character. People who are trying to be godly. And I recognize young people when you go to school... Not everybody that's a friend of yours is going to be someone who attends a church and is a part of a congregation just like the one that you are a part of. There's a lot of good kids out there. Maybe they're a part of denominational churches, but they're good kids. They've got morals. They've got some standards and values that have been built within them. We want to seek out those kinds of people. Those are the kinds of friends that can actually be a help to us in our lives. Look in Proverbs 27. In Proverbs chapter 27, this is my favorite of all of the Proverbs about friendship, in Proverbs 27, I'm looking in verse 17. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? We're looking for friends who will make us sharper. Friends who will make us better. Friends who will help improve us in our lives. Friends who will lift us up, not friends who will drag us down. Now, I want to kind of qualify all of this by saying, this does not mean that we want to be ugly or we want to be mean or be rude to those kids that we meet at school who maybe are a little bit rough around the edges. They are the ones that we kind of know are the troublemakers. We don't want to be mean and ugly to those kids. But what it does mean is that we want to be careful. We want to be selective in the company that we keep as we strive to make friends with people who will help us to do what's right. Principle number two from Solomon's back-to-school handbook. And that is, Solomon teaches us that honesty is the only policy. Now, you've maybe heard the expression before that honesty is the best policy, and that is certainly true. But Proverbs shows us that for the person who's seeking to please God, honesty is the only policy. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. In Proverbs chapter 6... Solomon actually identifies some things in these verses that God hates. That's hard for us to sometimes wrap our minds around. You mean God hates some stuff? You mean God hates some things? Yeah, there are some things God hates. And Solomon tells us what those things are. Proverbs chapter 6, look beginning there in verse 16. Proverbs 6 verse 16, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among brothers. Did you notice that twice in that little list there, Solomon mentions things about dishonesty? A lying tongue. A false witness who breathes out lies. You don't want to be classified in that group, do you? You don't want to be that kind of person. That passage says that the way that those people act, that's an abomination to God. Boy, I don't want God to look down at me and say, that guy is an abomination to me. Yet all too often, young people, when you go to school, 
There is a strong temptation to allow dishonesty to creep in to the things that are going on at school. Maybe we make up stories to try to explain to the teacher why we didn't write that essay that was assigned to us. Maybe we copy down all the answers that our friend did on their homework. I didn't do my homework, so I'm just going to copy all the stuff that they put for their answers. Maybe we make one of those little cheat sheets during the test and we kind of hide it there under, you know, put it there between our legs while we're doing the test and we kind of pull that out and we use that to cheat during the test. Do you know what that kind of dishonest behavior will get you? Look in chapter 20 of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 20, here's a verse that really does leave a lasting image. I don't know if you've ever noticed this verse before. In Proverbs 20, look in verse 17. In Proverbs 20 and verse 17... Solomon says there that bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward, afterward his mouth will be full of gravels. Wow, maybe I would kind of update that verse to say, an A on the quiz gained by deceit is sweet for a moment, but afterward your mouth will be full of gravels. In other words, that kind of fleeting feeling of, oh yeah, got away with it. I got away with that. I was able to kind of cheat the system. I was able to be dishonest and lie about things and I was able to succeed there. Oh, doesn't last. Especially to a person who has a truly tender conscience. Because we recognize that there's always going to be consequences for sin and especially consequences for dishonesty. Look in chapter 10 of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 10, Solomon provides, here's another one of those contrasts where Solomon says, don't be like this person, but instead be like this person. In Proverbs chapter 10, look in verse 9. In Proverbs 10 and in verse 9, Solomon says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. That's the positive side of the statement. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. We want to be in the first half of that verse. We want to be people who are people of integrity. That's how we want to be defined. When people look at us, and more specifically when God looks at us, that our words, our conduct, our attitude, our demeanor, it just drips with integrity. That we're the kind of people that we're not afraid about the teacher maybe asking us questions and probing us about cheating or about lying because we know we are blameless. We are upright. We know who we are. We're people of integrity at all times. Now maybe kind of dovetailing off of that second principle is this third idea. Because instead of being the kind of people who are cheating and lying, looking for shortcuts and always looking for the easy way to kind of skate through school, instead Solomon says, we need to be people that are working hard. Let me show you a verse in chapter 6 of Proverbs that your mom and dad, young people, your mom and dad might actually have to come in your room and yell this verse at you on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning or Monday morning, whenever your particular first day of school is. In Proverbs chapter 6, after talking about go to the ant, look at the ant and observe the ways of the ant, he then says in verse 9, Proverbs 6 and in verse 9, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What's Solomon saying there? He's saying, wake up! Get out of bed! Laziness, that doesn't benefit anybody. That just ends up bringing ruin upon yourself. 
You know, I've never known anybody, and maybe somebody will tell me there's an exception to this somewhere, but I've never known anybody who succeeded at school or at college or at their job or at a business or really at anything by being lazy, by being slothful. Do you know what that word slothful means? Some of our young people, you've maybe seen that Disney movie Zootopia, and there's the sloth and they're so slow. Just has this, just dripping that lazy kind of, of disposition. And that's what the Bible is getting at when it talks about the idea of being slothful. Solomon says that is a recipe for poverty, he says. Look in chapter 13. In chapter 13 and in verse 4, there Solomon says, chapter 13, verse 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly blessed. Now, you might crave good grades. I hope you do. I hope all of us would desire to have good grades. You may crave to get that diploma when you get to high school. You may crave to get all kinds of scholarships to go to college. You may crave that college degree and all the things that come with that. But you know what? Merely craving those things, just wanting that stuff, Solomon says that doesn't make anything happen. It is only when a person is diligent, Solomon says. That's the second part of the verse. Diligence, when we put some muscle into it, put some effort into this, when we work hard, that's when God honors and blesses us. God's not going to bless laziness. I'm just convinced of that. But God will, in the words of Solomon, He will richly supply to the one who works hard. And I realize, young people, as I'm standing up here talking about you need to work and you need to work and you need to work hard, you might be inclined to just kind of excuse yourself. You might be thinking, Josh, well, all those verses in the, in the book of Proverbs there and really in the Bible, it's talking about what you do for a living. That's talking about your job, like once you get out of school and then what you get paid to do. But I'm going to remind you, young people, that right now where you are in your lives, homework and schoolwork, that is your job. Look in chapter 16. In chapter 16, because Solomon, he doesn't just narrowly define work as, you know, what you do for a living and you get a paycheck on Friday. No, in chapter 16, in verse 3, he says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. One translation renders that, entrust all your efforts to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And that is the attitude that I believe just puts... It just puts the kibosh on laziness. And that is the attitude that really spurs us on to be hard workers, to be diligent workers, whether that means at school or when we do get out into the workplace and we get ourselves a job. We're working hard. Why? Because we recognize we're working for the Lord. That's who I've committed myself to. It's not just that I'm working hard for my teacher. It's not just that I'm working hard to make mom and dad happy. I'm working hard because that makes God We want to be hard workers. Principle number four this evening. One of the things Solomon wants us to understand as we go back to school, Solomon wants us to understand that we need to show respect to our teachers. Look in chapter 5, please. In Proverbs chapter 5, in the first part of this chapter, Solomon has uh, talked very candidly about adultery and about sexual immorality. But I want you to notice what he says, kind of in the fallout of that. Well, Solomon talks here about some of the regretful feelings, 
The remorse that we often have after we commit really any sin. And how we wish that, we wish we'd have done differently. Wish we could go back and, and just do differently altogether. And so he says in Proverbs chapter 5, look in verse 11. He says that at the end of your life you would groan when your flesh and your body are consumed. And that you say, you're kind of beating yourself up and you say, how I hated discipline and how my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Young people, old people, none of us wants to be saying that, do we? On our deathbed, or really at any time. We don't want to turn out like this. We certainly don't want to, to go through school, maybe for, you know, for 12, 13 years, or maybe even more if we go on into college or some kind of postgraduate studies. And then one day we come to the realization, oh man, I wish I'd paid attention to my teachers. I wish I'd actually listened to what they were trying to say. You know, they, they were actually pretty educated folks. They got a degree in everything that says they have some expertise in this area. And I wish I would have listened to them. I really could have used those skills in my life, but, but I didn't listen. I didn't give them the respect that they were rightfully due. Look in chapter 20 of Proverbs. In chapter 20, what Solomon reminds us here, young people, is that our elders... They are deserving of our respect. In chapter 20 of Proverbs, this time in verse 29, in chapter 20 and verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Now obviously, not every school teacher that you're going to have has gray hair. But I want us to kind of focus on the principle that's being articulated here. Youngins need to respect the older ones. That is God's order of things. They know what they're talking about. They have experience. They have some knowledge that you do not yet have. And so they deserve our respect. Let me just say a word right here to those who homeschool. Homeschoolers, if your mom or your dad is your teacher, that kind of goes double for you. you got to respect mom and dad because they're mom and dad. And then also got to respect them because they're also your teacher. Look in chapter 10. In chapter 10, look in verse 17. In chapter 10 of Proverbs and in verse 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. We want to be like the first half of that verse, don't we? We want to be people who respectfully heed instruction. Solomon says that puts us on the path to life. And in fact, that equips us at a young age to have some respect and some skills and some abilities that will carry with us all throughout the remainder of our days. That's a beautiful quality and trait to have, a respectful heart. All of that then leads this evening to this final observation that I want us to notice from Solomon's handbook. All of these are very practical and I think very just down on the level. But I want to tell you really this fifth idea, it really kind of is the umbrella over all of them. In fact, if you can get this fifth idea, then really these other ideas will just fall in place. And that is Solomon wants us and he wants young people to remember that God is always watching. Look in chapter 5 again. In chapter 5, two verses and then the lesson will be yours. In chapter 5 and in verse 21, Solomon says here, Proverbs 5 verse 21, he says, For a man's ways... Let me just kind of make that on the level of young people. For a boy's ways 
or a girl's ways. For everyone's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all their paths. That verse tells us God's watching. God sees what you are doing. Think about this, young people. When you leave, those of you that are in like public school or maybe private school or you go to college or, or, or high school or wherever it is, when you leave the watchful eye of mom and dad, it is true that for those seven or eight hours, Monday through Friday, mom and dad are not there to watch your every step. They are not there to hear your every word. That is true. And it is also true that when you go to school, your church family, the people in this room who care about you and love you, we are not there. Mr. Josh is not going to show up and say, hey... You shouldn't have said that dirty word. Hey, you shouldn't have told that lie. I'm not going to be there. But here's the sobering thought. God's going to be there. God is absolutely going to be there. Look in Proverbs 15. In Proverbs chapter 15, look in verse 3. In Proverbs 15 and in verse 3, Solomon says here, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Keeping watch on the evil and the good. You go to school, the Lord's eyes are there. You're at home, the Lord's eyes are there. You're running around with your friends, the Lord's eyes are there. Whether you're doing good or whether you're doing evil. And in fact, what that does is maybe that does a couple of different things. If we're doing evil, then maybe that passage and maybe that thought ought to strike terror and fear in our heart. But if we're doing good, that passage ought to motivate us. I'm doing good and God sees that. God sees when I stand up to to peer pressure. God sees whenever I'm honest, even though it was a strong temptation for me to be dishonest. God sees me working hard and doing the very best that I can do. And God sees when I demonstrate respect for my teachers and for those who are superiors to me. God's eyes are in every place. Let that motivate you to be the kind of student that you ought to be when you go to school this week and in fact all the days of your life. Now I want to extend the invitation of the Lord with that last thought in mind. That God's eyes are in every place. He sees all and He knows all. And what that means is is that means that the Lord not only knows where you are physically and geographically, but the Lord also knows where you are spiritually. Because the fact of the matter is, there are people sitting in this room right now who physically, geographically, I think they're in the right place. I think this is probably the best place that you could be. But spiritually, you're not in the right place. There are those of our number who are of an age of accountability and who are not Christians. There are those here who have not yet submitted themselves to Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. Tonight is your night to respond to the gospel and to become a child of God. To have all of your sins washed away, that's the grace and the mercy of God. You're accessing that by your obedience to the truth. Can we help somebody to do that? I'll tell you, God will see that. And that will make God happier than anything else that you could possibly do tonight. And that is to submit yourself to Him and His will. If you are a Christian, but you're not living right, maybe there's sin in your life, brother or sister, this is an invitation for you to repent. Call upon us as your brothers and sisters to help you and encourage you to live for the Lord in a better kind of way. Whoever you are, whatever your situation might be, the Lord sees and the Lord knows.
With that understanding and that knowledge, what will you now do? Take advantage of this opportunity while we stand and while we sing.